welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friends. I'm Marcy Farrell from thankfulhomemaker.com, and I am so glad to be here with you today. We're continuing on in our series on marriage here at the podcast, and this is the third episode in the series. We talked about God's design for our marriages and our role as women. We talked about love last week, and this week we're talking about respect. And when I hear that word, I think of Aretha Franklin. And she comes into my head singing R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. So I did a little search on that because I was just kind of curious when it was written. It was written by Otis Redding in April of 1967. So I'm giving my age here away a little bit here. I wasn't quite two when it came out, but it's one of those songs that we've all heard. And actually, as I was looking at it and reading the lyrics, it's really more of a song of female empowerment than the biblical meaning of respect that we're going to dig into today. So now that I just got that song stuck in all of our heads, let's dig into today's topic. What is respect? How is it defined? The dictionary defines respect as a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. So let me start our time today by reading from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 33. And the text that we're specifically going to work on today is Ephesians 5, 33. And we're going to look at others that will help us to get a better understanding of what God's word calls us to when he calls us to respect our husbands. But it always helps to look at the verse in context, right? So let me start here. So Ephesians chapter 5, I'm starting in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and give himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let me repeat that last verse, verse 33 of Ephesians chapter 5. However, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So the Greek word for respect in Ephesians 5.33 is phabio, and it means fear, reverence, to venerate or treat with deference or referential obedience. So Paul had used the noun phabeos related to phabeo in this section when he exhorted both spouses in Ephesians 5.21. So this was to submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. So this started right the verse right before I started reading. 
um, where Christ calls us to submit to one another. The amplified version for verse um, Ephesians 5.33 helps us a bit more. It breaks it down a little more. It says, let the wife see that she respects her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him and loves and admires him exceedingly. Okay. Wow. Right. I know some of you are thinking my husband isn't worthy of that kind of respect, (laughs) or even if they are, you're thinking this is a bit much. Okay. So Wendy Alsup shared in her book on Ephesians, um, called by his wounds, you are healed a story that she, that was shared by one of her professors of a junior high math teacher. This junior high math teacher mistook his students' locker numbers for their IQs. So the whole school year, he treated them as if they were only as smart as their locker numbers. And at the end of the year, they assuredly either lived up or down to his expectations. She shared this example to remind us that if we wait until we think our husbands deserve respect by the standard we set, whatever that looks like, he'll never meet it and in turn will never show him respect. I've turned this one on us before. If our husbands only loved us when they determined we were lovable, it would probably not be very often. Wendy stated in her book, she said, surprisingly enough, I did not personally have that much of a problem with the concept of submitting to my husband, but respect was much harder. I could submit and still harbor anger and bitterness. I could still put out the vibe that says I'm disappointed in your decision-making skills. In fact, submission without respect, let me live a life in a delusion of self-righteousness. I'm submitting, but I do not think you know what you are doing, and I'm not going to continue to let you know, and I'm going to continue, I'm sorry, to let you know that I do not trust you with my attitude. Even though technically I'm submitting on this issue, submission does not equal respect, and submission without respect brings no honor to God. Why would God command the combination of the two? All right, so just like we need our husband's love, that's how God designed us, they need our respect and our love too. We talked about that last week, but we're talking about respect today. So Shanti Feldhan, in her very practical and helpful book called For Women Only, shared the results of a survey where men were asked If you had to choose, would you rather feel alone and unloved in the world, or would you rather feel inadequate and disrespected by everyone? Three out of four men chose that they would rather feel unloved than disrespected or inadequate. And odds are your husband would rather have you show him respect over feeling loved. And it may be a good question to just ask him. Another part of the survey shared that more than 80% of the men, four out of five, said that in a conflict, they were more likely to feel disrespected over not feeling loved. So I mentioned in a past episode, but in these verses in Ephesians on our marriage, our husbands are commanded to love their wives three times. So in Ephesians 5.25 and 5.28 and in 5.33, We're not told once in these verses to love our husbands, but we're told to continually respect our husbands as the word fabio is in the present tense. So it means continually to be doing this. John Eady, from his commentary on Ephesians comments, 
The wife, for her part, is to give her husband the respect that is due him in the Lord, Ephesians 5.22. As Ephesians 5.21 has made plain, such respect is conditioned by an expressive of reverence, or fabeos, for Christ. It also assumes that the husband will so love his wife as to be worthy of such deference. Those who are puzzled because Paul does not tell wives that they are to love their husbands fail to appreciate the almost rabbinical precision with which the analogy is handled. So this last sentence is pretty powerful. Christ loves the church. The church's love for Christ is expressed in submission and obedience. We are called by God to respect our husband's position of headship in the home. And as we do this, we are honoring God first and foremost. God has called them to this position and he has called us to respect their position. God has called our husbands, just like us, to be like Christ. And we do this by submitting our will and humbling ourselves before him and taking the place of a servant in our homes. Christ is our ultimate example of a loving, respectful servant. This is only going to come about when we get a right view of who God is. God is worthy of my trust and loyalty and respect and submission. This is part of his plan. The Apostle Paul stated, Start, I'm sorry, the Apostle Paul started out verses here in Ephesians 5, 22 and th- through 33, those verses. He started out at the very beginning with love and submission, but he ends them in verse 33 with love and respect. And the hope here is the love that our husbands show to us have a view of helping us as their wife to become all the Lord intends for us to be. And our part we're called to, submission and respect, is that the Lord calls us to show our husbands this will also help them to become what the Lord intends them to be in their relationship with him. So we talked about in the first session on marriage, podcast episode 34, about our husband's position in the home, that they are given authority over their families by God. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. So our respect we show our husbands is not just an outward showing, but it should be with an inward heart attitude towards obedience to God. So I'm thinking here that some of you still have not gotten the thought out of your head yet of, what if my husband isn't worthy of respect? What if I'm a better decision maker than he is? What if I'm smarter than he is? What if he isn't living up to leadership in the role and the calling the Lord has given to him? What if I'm more spiritual than he is? What if he isn't even a believer? What if he's a believer and he doesn't live like one? And probably didn't cover all of them, but I think I got a pretty good mix in there. So what may seem like a hard truth here really isn't when we understand it fully. We are called to show continuous respect for our husbands, and this is not based on whether we deem him worthy of it. We are to do it out of obedience to the Lord. First off, we may need the humbling reminder that any gifting that we have, ladies, is from the Lord. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 tells us, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you'd received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? I can't see the heart of my husband, but the Lord does. I don't know what the Lord is working in and through our marriage for our good and for his glory. I need to be reminded to give thanks in and through all things. I need to find contentment in marriage, in the marriage relationship the Lord has placed us in, and to continue to look to Christ 
and do seek how I can honor the Lord in my marriage. If your husband is an, is an unbeliever, then study and work through the passages in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-6. through 6. Your husband is still to be respected no matter the difficulty. See him in the light that he is lost and eternally is destined for hell. This should have you looking at him with eyes of compassion and being in fervent prayer for his salvation. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 1 and 2 say, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Respectful in verse 2 of 1 Peter is, is a different context. Same, same word though, fabeos, literally means fear, but in context, it's conveying the meaning of honoring or reverencing her husband. And Fabios reflects her attitude toward her husband that parallels her attitude towards God's will. Let me read 1 Peter 3, 1-2 from the Amplified Version. And the goal of this Amplified Version is to take both the word meaning and context into account to accurately translate the original text from one language to the next. Multiple English word equivalents to each key Hebrew and Greek word clarifying the amplify, get it amplified, amplify the meanings to give us a clearer picture of what the text here is saying. So 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2 in the amplified version says, in the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, subordinate, not as inferior, but out of respect for the responsibilities entrusted to husbands and their accountability to God, and so partnering with them, so that even if some do not obey the word of God, they may be won over to Christ without discussion by the godly lives of their wives, when they see your modest and respectful behavior together with your devotion and appreciation, love your husband, encourage him, and enjoy him as a blessing from God. Actually, that's really kind of a beautiful text in the Amplified Version. So just a quick sidebar note. First Peter 3, 1 and 2, it doesn't mean that you may never have an opportunity to verbally share the gospel with your husband, because that would be a good thing, right? The Lord may open opportunities to do that with him, and you should do that if that is the case. That is a good thing. But that still needs to be done prayerfully, prayerfully and gently and lovingly, and not continually. Martha Peace comments here on what it means to show respect to an unbeliever and the excellent wife. She says, I cannot think of anything more important than influencing him for Jesus Christ. However, remember that it must be done God's way, not yours. Don't preach to him. Instead, pray for him, enjoy him, love him, and show him respect. Take care in how you talk to him and about him. God is at work in the world to save sinners. It's critical that you follow God's commands and wait on his perfect timing. All right, so what if your husband is a believer, but he isn't acting respectable? Here's some good words from Wendy Alsop on that. Even if our spouse abdicates his responsibilities when we honor him as God intended him to be, not as he is now, we are being salt and light in our homes, powerfully influencing our husbands, not by nagging and manipulating, but by humble submission, end quote. So ultimately, God is in control, right? But he can use your godly respect to be a powerful influence to minister grace in the life of your husband. Just as we talked about the example earlier of the teacher treating the children by their IQs, do what you're called to do. Treat him respectfully and let the Lord do the work. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what respect isn't, all right? And let me share clearly what treating your husbands respectfully does not mean, all right? 
I'm probably, this is not exhaustive, but just so you get an idea. Nowhere in scripture are we told that we cannot share our opinion with our husband, okay? In fact, we're called to be their helper, right? And we talked about that a bit more in depth in episode 34. And this is one way in which we can be a helper to them. We have different strengths and we have different weaknesses, but we have different insight into situations than they may have, right? Our husbands can greatly benefit in many ways, including spiritually from our input, What is key here is the way it is done. It is to be done respectfully. Share your thoughts. And if your husband has a different direction in mind, then he does have the final say. But continue to pray for him in the decision and pray that you would honor him in whatever he decides. And if your way turned out to be the better direction that he didn't choose, telling him I told you so Mm, that's not respectful, but maybe you don't even say it. Maybe it's not even in direct words, but it's in other attitudes or actions. That's being disrespectful. Ultimately, in respecting your husband, you are reverencing Christ. Are you able to trust the Lord in these situations? God is sovereign. He can be trusted with all the little details of our lives. We don't know what the Lord is working through, the direction your husband went, what he's working in your husband's life and in through that. So trust the Lord. And also, we're not being disrespectful to our husbands because we have a difference of opinion with them. It's not sinful to disagree with someone. It becomes sinful when our attitudes and actions become sinful. If your disagreeing is causing you to say unkind words, become self-righteous, prideful, or angry, or just cut them off because they don't agree, then that is not respectful and it's sinful. Speaking um, respectfully to our husbands is pretty much the way we're to speak to all people. We can be respectful and kind to others outside our homes. So why should that differ inside our homes? We're reminded, as we talked about last week, one way we show love to our husband is by acting respectfully towards them. 1 Corinthians 13.5 reminds us, love is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Be aware of your weak moments, ladies. When you're tired or you're not feeling well, or it's that time of the month, these are not excuses to respond rudely to our husbands. We can, by God's grace, respond lovingly no matter the difficulties we're currently dealing with. It's good to be aware and know your body emotionally, physically, mentally, what's going on. Ephesians 4.29 is a great verse to have memorized. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Our pastor had a good sermon on this verse, and I'm going to link that in the show notes, and it's one I need to listen to again. It was just very convicting, very a lot of good stuff in there. Okay, could you be at a place where you could seek out your husband's help in gently reproving and pointing out to you areas where you tend to respond to him disrespectfully? This is not easy, and I have what I would consider a pretty good marriage, but I'm still maturing and being reproved by my husband with a right attitude at times, sadly. I don't like that. That's an area I'm still working on. And it's not always outward. It's an inward response when something comes up. But my reminder here is God gives grace to the humble. I want to honor the Lord in my speech to my husband. And he usually is the one who's hearing me speak to him, right? So who better to ask on this? Another one, simple, 
Take time to pray and ponder before you speak, especially if you know that it's going to be an area or topic where you're likely not to respond to him well. Proverbs 15:28 says, "The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things." Okay, so what if we need to address a sin issue in our husbands' lives? Because they are our brother in the faith, right? And we're called to correct and help them just like we are other believers. I'm going to share an, uh, just a short excerpt here on a post that I wrote called Addressing Our Husband's Sin. It's a short read and I'll link to it in the show notes here. But here are some thoughts next time you have a sin issue that you aren't sure how to address with your husband. And please note here, I'm not talking about an issue that is considered um, physical abuse and it needs some outside intervention. If you're in this type of situation, as always, I tell you to seek and get help. Okay, so here we come back. Here's some thoughts on it. Taking it to the Lord first in prayer is always best as maybe the situation can just end there and it doesn't even need to be addressed, all right? Make sure that you address the log in your own eye. I've got a post on that too. Before you address the speck in your husband's eye, all right? Does this truly need to be addressed or is it able to be overlooked in the way of love covers a multitude of sins and 1 Peter 4, 8? And there's a little more elaborate on that on the blog post on this. But if it is a sin that needs to be addressed, can you do it in a God-glorifying manner? Can you approach your husband with an attitude of humility and a desire to see the Lord glorified instead of an attitude of self-righteousness? So a good question to ask yourself when you're doing this is how would you desire your husband to address the sin in your own life to you? Rick Thomas, and if you have a few minutes, this is an excellent article on dealing with sin in our marriages and really all our relationships, but it's entitled, Who Pays for Your Spouse's Sin, Christ or Your Spouse? And he quotes on this, and it's he's referencing his wife because he's a man, so I'm just going to quote it from him. He says, If I truly understand the gospel in the moment of my wife's sin, my response should be a gospel-motivated sacrifice rather than a self-centered punishment, end quote. All right, so... Here's Miss Practical again, right? So what does it practically look like to live out responding respectfully to our husbands? So Elizabeth Elliot told a story about a spot on someone's shirt. There was an ink spot, and it probably covered up less than 1% of the shirt. But when you see that on somebody's shirt, your eye is drawn to it. And you wouldn't go up to that person and say, the shirt looks great. You'd probably go up and highlight the ink spot in the middle of their shirt so they know that, maybe if they didn't know it. Um, she commented on this, on how, this, how as a wife, how our eyes can get drawn to the imperfections in our husbands and we lose sight of the good quality. So we're focusing on that 1% little spot there instead of all the other 99% that is good. So maybe you're so focused on your husband's weaknesses and flaws that you can't see the man you thought was so wonderful that you married so many years ago. When we're focused on what we think they're not doing or they're not handling right, we won't have an attitude of respect towards them. Family Life Today had an episode quite a while back that they shared a clip from one of their Weekend to Remember getaways from a couple who spoke at the getaway. And the husband started, he was sharing with a group of women about what it was like to be a man. And he said, as we grow up, we have moms. And he was raised by a single mom. He says, and our moms cheer us on. They're like, good job, great job. And 
I can attest to that. I have a grown son and he still wants to hear from his mom. Great job, way to go. Okay, so then as boys, they move on in school. They find out what they're good at. They'll hear about it. Others applaud them. Good job. They may play sports and then they're cheered on by teammates and coaches in the crowd. And then they start working and they excel at work and they're told what a great job they're doing and how much they're appreciated. And then they meet you, their soon-to-be wife, right? And you tell them, out of all the men in the universe, I chose you. You are the man. Then they get married, he said. And then when they walk in the doors of our homes, this is really eye-opening. He says it feels like all we hear is boo, boo. They feel like they can never please us, like we're always disappointed with them and we're always criticizing them. So let me ask you, do you cheer your husband on? Do you let him know that he is still the man? Do you tell them great job and how much you appreciate them working hard and providing for their family? Do we tell them how attractive we find them, how much we love being with them? Do we take the time to greet them when they come home with a smile and let them know how happy we are that they're home? Or do they just hear boo, boo? (laughs) And to me, Proverbs 21.9 comes to mind. It's better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. I don't want to do that to my husband, right? Because see, when we first get married, our husbands are the greatest. But then as we live with one another, we start to see each other's flaws. We want to help them, but sometimes we can confuse helping them with constantly correcting or criticizing them. We can help them by not pointing out to them where they've messed up, but by pointing out to them where they've done a good job. Take the time to find qualities, characteristics, and strengths in your husband that you admire about him. Make a list somewhere in your journal or wherever so you can focus on those strengths and then open your mouth and praise him to him and in front of others and in front of your children would be a great place to start. Be thankful for who God has already created your husband to be. Don't be so focused on how you want him to change. It's not our job to change our husbands, right? We're called to help and love and submit and respect them, not change them, all right? That's the Lord's job in his time and in his way. Listen, you may honor the Lord in respecting your husband all the days of your marriage and not see much change or any change possible. You may see a lot of change, hopefully, but it is possible that you may see no change, okay? We're not doing it to see change. That's a bad, that's not a bad desire, but it can't be our primary one. We're doing it to honor the Lord. God is sovereign in all things, and I don't know the plan he has for my husband or me, but I do know that marriage is a beautiful way that he sanctifies us and makes us more like Christ. We are continuing to mature in our faith. In a post on spiritual maturity at the blog, I have two quotes I want to share with you. One is from Greg Kukul. He said, Do you know what the measure of spiritual maturity is in the scriptures? It's not the display of spiritual emotion or even the display of spiritual gifts, but the manifestation of spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then I have another one here from Bunny Wilson, and it's taken from a book called Biblical Womanhood in the Home. She says, when God prunes us, the result will be greater growth and sweeter fruit. Pruning usually takes place when God uses situations, people, and circumstances to help mature us in our Christian disposition, attitude, and temperament. The way we respond when we are pruned reveals our true level of spiritual maturity. End quote. 
Our marriages, ladies, are a beautiful tool that the Lord uses to sanctify us. And don't forget the example that you're setting to your children here. Martha P. says in The Excellent Wife, she said, Wives are not the only ones instructed to respect their husbands. Children are told to honor their fathers in Ephesians 6, 2 through 3. If you are disrespectful to your husband, your children will likely acquire the same attitude. It will be much more difficult for, for them to honor their father if you are belittling him and speaking to him in a harsh, sarcastic tone of voice, end quote. All right, we talked about being his helper, and that is a way he can feel respected, that you're preferring him and seeking him out on how you can be a helper to him. I know that we all have long to-do lists, ladies, but even a few simple questions in the morning to him like, how can I help you today, or is there anything I can do for you, or even, what would you like me to do for you that I'm not doing? I really like that phrase that way. He may not even need anything, but he would appreciate even being asked. We naturally do a lot of things for our husband, but maybe there are simple things they would like us to do if we just ask. I think about things like maybe they'd like to take a walk after dinner, or maybe they'd like us to just greet him at the door with a smile and a, a, a pleasant attitude, <laughs> just very simple things that really don't take a whole lot. And that's a way to show him respect. Can you share or take an interest in one of his hobbies? Does he like to watch sports or play golf or go hiking or biking or whatever it may be? Johnny Erickson Tata shared a story of when she first got married to her husband, Ken, that she envisioned them doing Bible studies together, and he was going to help her with all her inductive Bible study tools. She said they married in July, and the honeymoon ended on a Monday night in September. She has all her Bible study materials out and was ready for Ken to be her hands and assist her in preparation. But there he was rummaging through the refrigerator looking for Cokes and salsa and chips. And he passed right by her on the way to the television set in the living room to watch Dan Deardoff and Al Michaels on Monday night football. She was crushed. She said, oh God, have I not married a man of your word? I am so sick. What have I done? I've made an awful mistake. And then she said, well, I began nagging. I began manipulating and pushing. He hated the nagging. She said the first year of their marriage was pretty rocky. Halfway through football season, I read a verse in Philippians chapter 2, the fourth verse, where it says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but the interests of others. Esteem others better than yourself. And that was her Philippians 2, 3 through 4 kind of paraphrase there. And she said, that was so convicting. So I purposed every Monday night during football And she says, what's that? It lasts about three hours, right? She says, well, I went into the bedroom during Monday night football. I decided I was going to pray for my husband. So every Monday night for the entire course of football season, I prayed for God to encourage him, strengthen him, make him a man of God's word, strengthen our marriage, all sorts of things. So Johnny right there, she said he knew what was going on, but he just thought that that was a lot better than him having to help me with Kay Arthur's Bible study stuff. So he was very happy for him, for her to lock herself away in the bedroom and pray for him. And then she says here, she says, I tell you what, a miracle happened around, come around January, around Super Bowl time, this incredible miracle. She said, I became a football fan. 
God changed me through all those prayers I offered to the Lord. And she says, I'll tell you something else. My husband has far surpassed me in memorizing scripture. She says, he left me in the dust. It's incredible how he is the leader in our marriage now as it concerns the handling of God's word. It's remarkable that God has answered that prayer, not only by changing my heart towards my husband, she says, but also deepening his love for the Savior as well. All because I put away the cajoling, the nagging, the coaxing, the manipulating, and just started interceding for my guy. Johnny was showing respect for her husband. And I love the reminder here to pray for our husbands. That is a huge way we show them respect. So take the time to pray for him and with him too when you can. Maybe there's an area that he's nervous about or to just take the time and say, honey, can I pray for you? Pray for the Lord to help you be a wife that does respect her husband and you learn to guard your tongue and learn when to speak and how to speak. And one last area I want to share is to continue to grow in your walk with the Lord. This is the greatest way you can show respect to your husband. Ladies, we need to study God's word. We need to understand theology, the study of God, right? God uses his word to change us and mold us and renew our minds. The more we're growing in the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the more we are becoming like Christ. And the more of our responses and attitudes and actions to our husbands will be ones of honor and respect. When we spend time with Jesus, he changes us. When we spend time with the Lord, we begin to see more of our own sin and weaknesses, and hopefully we begin to see less of His. We realize how much grace we've been given, and we're able to offer our husbands much grace. Listen, we may live in homes where our husbands are not loving toward us and not kind. And again, if it is an abusive situation, please get some help, all right? But on the other side here, many times we can make our husband's job harder to love us. And the flip side is he can make the job to respect him harder, right? We all know this, but it has to start somewhere. Can it begin with you? Can you be the one to die to self and live for Christ? Martin Lloyd-Jones in his exposition of these exposition of these verses we've been looking at today in Ephesians from his book called Life in the Spirit says, the real cause of failure ultimately in marriage is always self and the various manifestations of self. He goes on to say that self is at the root of all problems in this world, not only individually, but on a national and international level. All these troubles ultimately come back to self, to my rights, to what I want, and to who is he or who is she. Self, with its horrid manifestations, always leads to trouble because if two selves come into opposition, there is bound to be a clash. Therefore, he states, any tendency to assert self at once conflicts with the fundamental conception of marriage, of two coming together as one flesh. I added that myself at the end there, but just was a powerful quote. We, we can't enter marriage thinking this person is going to meet all our needs, nor are we going to meet theirs. 
just as Christ knew us in all our imperfections and sin, and yet he gave himself so that we might become his bride. So as a wife, we need to realize that our husbands are not perfect, but we're called to respect them anyway. True love, as we talked about last week, and showing respect as we're talking about today, is not conditional on our husband's behavior, but the time it is most needed is when our husband's aren't so respectful and lovable. I stated last week, it's easier to respect a man who is respectable. Just as for our husbands, it's easy to love a wife that is lovable. But we're going to fail in this in our day-to-day lives with each other. We're called to love one another as Christ has loved us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God is glorified when we live out our marriages the way he has designed it to be. And I pray by his grace, we can live according to the principles the Lord has laid out in his word. Our strong, godly marriages are a witness to a lost world around us, and they are a living and breathing example of Christ and his church. May we be a visible representation to the lost world around us and to the children in our home of the power of the love and grace of God. I pray when they see our marriages, they will see how Christ left his church. Martha Peace says, God's will for every Christian wife is that her most important ministry be to her husband. Genesis 2.18. After a wife's own personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing else should have greater priority. Her husband should be the primary benefactor of his wife's time and energy, not the recipient of what may be left over at the end of the day. Whether her husband is a faithful Christian man or an unbeliever, God wants every Christian woman to be a godly wife, an excellent wife. And that's taken from The Excellent Wife by Martha Peace. So my friends, Jesus is enough always. Thank you for your time here today, friends, for the show notes and all the resources that I mentioned today. Head over to thankfulhomemaker.com and click on the podcast tab up in the menu. If you're looking for the rest of the marriage series at the podcast in one place, there is a category set up for it. So if you'd like to go back and just listen to them, they're all there. And if you look at the top of the post for this one, so if you're on the post for Respect Your Husbands, you'll see the little category tabs up there. And if you click on the category that says marriage series, you'll find the first two podcasts. So although they're not very far down in the blog yet, so they're pretty easy to find if you're on the blog too at this stage. But I'll link to all the podcasts on this series in the show notes too, so you could find them easy within the show notes. And please, if I forget something to list in the show notes and you can't find it, shoot me a note at the blog or in the comments for this post too. And I just have a quick plug here too for the fifth annual Homemaking Ministries Conference this year. It's called the Deep Dive Summit. And I'm sharing on the topic of our identity in Christ. And there are sessions on in the kitchen, homemaking routines, family life. There's 22 speakers. It's fully online. You can watch it in your PJs anytime on any device once the conference goes live. You can watch it live though from September 25th through 28th. And I'm looking forward to the in the kitchen sessions with Wardy and Tiffany and the family life session with Jolene on marriage. Those are some that I am looking forward to. I'll share a link in the show notes. So take a peek as it has something for everyone. And I believe that when this podcast goes up on the 31st, that is the last day that it is um, early bird pricing. So if you're interested and you're listening to the podcast on the 31st, when this podcast went out, take a peek at it today um, because you'll get good pricing because I feel like it goes up $10 next month. I'm not for sure on that, but just better price today. 
So yesterday at the blog, I put up a self-assessment quiz taken from The Excellent Wife on how well you respect your husband that she had in chapter 10 in her book. It'd be great to go over after today's session if you haven't taken a peek at that yet. And if you have the book, take the time to read chapter 10 after listening in today. I also, if you scroll, after you read the post, you go down to the bottom and scroll. I put it in a... um, just a PDF form so you could just print it out, just the questions easy to tuck away in your Bible and look at. So um, I'm trying to get better at doing things like that. I'm not the techie one always. So, and if you have two minutes, I'd so appreciate it if you could leave a quick review or rating where you listen to the podcast at. And again, thank you for your time today. I'm looking forward to our session. There's going to probably be two on submission, but on submission next week where you get to be and meet my husband. So I'm so excited for that, ladies. So my friends, have a very blessed week. Thank you. 